Alrighty, welcome back, guys. Second episode of Chopping It Up. I'm your host, Coop. It's the 4th of March, 2020. Great day out, nice and sunny. Pretty even temperature. I'm not even sure what the, the number is on that, but it feels nice. It's that nice type of temperature where you can wear a sweatshirt, you can wear a t-shirt, you can wear shorts, you can wear pants, and you'll just you'll feel the same. Like It's just a nice little even temperature. Sun's out. I uh, got some coffee earlier because I need to feel my caffeine addiction. I do... However, have a little gripe with the employees at the Dunkin' near where I go to school. Now, I should preface this by saying that this seems to be an issue with all Dunkins. The Dunkin' near me also. Or should I say the Dunkins near me? Always seem to get my order wrong. They always seem to get my order wrong, and they always seem to be rushing me along. For whatever reason, like, their job isn't to serve me coffee. Um, You know, I worked at Dunkin', and I've worked at Starbucks, so I know what it's like to serve someone coffee, and I know what it's like to be there and not want to be there and have a big line of people coming up, and, you know, if someone messes up, then that's the entire line done, and then you have to restart. So I get it, right? It's a high-stress environment. Nobody really wants to be there because you're serving coffee to other people, and I've had some bitchy customers in the past uh, like, for instance, one lady, I think she took her coffee back, like, what, five or six times? Five, yeah, five or six times because it wasn't enough milk. And she kept putting her lipstick on the, the cup, and I was, like, vomiting back there. That's one of my big pet peeves is, like, lipstick on shit that I'm about to eat. Like, that's disgusting. I don't know why. I just, it, it like, it it just, ugh, 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 gives me shudders. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, no, so today I go, I walk in. Looking for something nice, looking for something delectable but healthy because, you know, I'm trying to take uber, uber care of myself this month. Uh, I'm doing the, uh, I don't even know what to call it, basically. It's just a super razor sharp, healthy month uh, going until probably, you know, April, the end of April, say like the 22nd or the 25th because I think I started this around, yeah, the 2nd. So I'm going for uh, more than a month, actually. Um but I set that in my phone, so I go in there today, and, you know, obviously, like, look, I understand this as a health-conscious gentleman that Dunkin', if you're looking for something healthy, it just isn't a really viable option. What else you got? You got Starbucks. They're probably a little bit healthier, but Starbucks costs moolah, and if you're a college student, you know that you operate on a shoestring, uh, shoestring budget. So I walk in there, and I had done some research, because that's what you do when you're addicted to being healthy. Uh, I had already found out my drink when I walked in there. I'd already known my drink and I had looked it up and I had done the research. I was just going to get a coffee with almond milk. Uh, I, they apparently don't have unsweetened almond milk, which Starbucks does. But again, Starbucks charges you like $4 for a black iced coffee. So that's probably why. So I walk in there. <clears throat> Usual lady is working at the, at the, at the uh, register. Uh, she's usually there. She's not really that cordial. Uh, you just kind of order your coffee. She's not there for any extra chit chat, which again, like I said, I've, I've worked in that industry, so I can understand that. Uh, today she's a little extra snippy though. Granted the Duncan was filled up when I came in. I waited about five minutes online. It gets really packed there for whatever reason. So I waited online five minutes. I finally get up to the register and as I'm coming up through the line, I see this, uh, protein muffin. This uh, protein muffin that they have for a limited time until whatever date it was. I think it's the end of March. So I'm like, hey, I'm a gym chad. I love working out. I love staying in shape. So I saw protein. I was like, hey, 
It has sunflower seeds on the top. Let me try this out. So I go up to the register. How you doing? What do you want for your coffee? I'm like, okay. So it's not one of those days. It's not, it's not a talking day for you. Gotcha. Cool. Some days, some days you could maybe get a high out of her. Other days, not so much. So I walk up and, uh, all right, all right, fine. I'll just order my coffee. Hey, you know, uh, medium iced coffee, just, uh, just almond milk, no sweetener. Um, and one, one protein muffin, one protein muffin. Pretty clear. I said it pretty loud because I knew it was a loud environment. And I know that this Duncan has a history of messing up my order. So I made sure to say it extra, extra, a little bit loud and with more emphasis. Like if what I said was on a, a text document, it'd be italicized and in bold, right? She goes, okay, you know, one muffin and one coffee with almond milk, right? Okay, yeah, perfect. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll put, you know, put my card in and whatever it is. I, I take my card out and I get automatic text alerts on my phone for when I spend uh, money on something with my card just so I can keep up with the balance and, you know, it's a little extra added security uh, just so I know what's good and, and if someone steals my card and they kind of, you know, say they bring it to the mall or something and they spend, then I would know, right? And then I could check around and be like, oh, I don't have my card. Anyway, I get the text notification and it says for $11. I was like, wait, I'm standing there at the Dunkin'. I'm like, wait a minute, $11? $11 for a medium iced coffee and a protein muffin. $11. The muffin was one ninety nine, and the coffee was five dollars. It set up on the board, which five dollars, you know, that's still a lot. But I'll get to that in a second. So, essentially, I'm walking away. I check my phone. And I'm like, wow, like eleven dollars. That seems pretty hefty. So, obviously, when you go to Dunkin', they give you the uh, the what's it called the sheet, like the receipt with your number on it, so that when someone gives you your order, they call out your number, and you can just go get it if it's full, like it was today. I checked that. Guess what I was charged for? Three protein muffins and two iced lattes with hazelnut syrup. I was like, what the? How? Like, I, I don't, you heard me clearly say one coffee and one muffin. This lady charged me for three muffins and two iced lattes. How does that happen? How, how does that, like, I, I've had, like, little transgressions in the past where it's like, <laughs> You, you you get like the wrong type of what like syrup flavoring. Never before have I had a whopping three muffins and two drinks charged in my account when I only wanted one and one. And you know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb here, uh, guys. Don't order the protein muffin because it's not that good. It tastes like a kind bar, but without all the chocolate and the goodness of it. It tasted fucking disgusting. And the coffee, the, the coffee was watered down. Certainly not worth five dollars. Certainly not worth two of them. Anyway, I, I gave it to my friend, and that was that was my morning. But like, it's like, Dunkey, get get your shit together, bro. Because I guarantee, if if Starbucks tweaked their prices down a little bit, you guys wouldn't be in business. At least not the ones that I go to, back home. Back home, mine is better though. They actually, they they the the margin for error. At my home Starbucks is a little, uh, at my home um, Dunkin' is a little less, <laughs> it's a little less great. But, you know, it's just like, what, like, what the fuck, like, how do you get that, how do you mix that up? So, really what I'm trying to say on this podcast is, Dunkin', get your shit together. Anyway, we have a great podcast today. That was my seven minute ramble, wow, eight minute now, 
Uh, I did not expect that to take up that much time. Uh, so I guess we can go in. As always, I think what I'm going to do for this podcast in the future is I'm going to have some preliminary topics that I'm not going to go too deep into, but I feel should have made the final cut, uh, but just didn't weren't pertinent enough in the news this week. Uh, I'll, I'll just give them a little shout out real quick and my thoughts on them. Okay, we have the Mets. The Mets this season they're projected to go 85 and 90 win. Oh, they're projected, excuse me, to be an 85 and 90 uh, win team. Uh, they're projected to go seventh overall in the MLB and second in the NL East beside, uh, behind the Dodgers, I believe, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. Um, or the NL, no, it wouldn't be the NL East. Anyway, they're, they're projected to go second behind the Dodgers. I got to get more into baseball, um, which I'll get into more later. But uh, this is pretty unprecedented for the Mets, who haven't been having a lot of success. I mean, obviously, last year we had a, a young core of talented guys. Our bullpen was terrible. Um Starting pitching has always been pretty average, or not average, pretty decent, uh, with Noah Syndergaard and, and uh, a lot of other studs there, and we picked up Marcus Stroman. I don't agree what we picked him up for. Like The price was was not really good. We, I think we sold away two prospects for him, but uh, his production hasn't been half bad, so uh, it really it was a question of like what did, uh, what's his name, uh, Freddie Wilpon, what did he want to do with the pitching core instead of trying to upgrade our defense around the diamond, but I mean, anyway... So this year, we've, we've brought in some extra candidates. We have some guys coming back from injury on the pitching side of things. And uh, this thing called ZIPS, which I'm not sure what the acronym is for, but it's a projection system that kind of can almost act as a predictor for how not only rookies, but uh, players that haven't been in the league for long. It predicts how they're going to do each season based off of historic numbers, and, and, and it kind of aggregates, I guess, their rookie season numbers and compares it to other players in similar positions, which I find is very interesting because obviously baseball is a stat-dominated sport. Uh, the Zips projection system has our Pete Alonzo, uh, the golden boy of New York. Uh, shout out to him. I went to his game when he broke the NL or the rookie home run record. Uh, it has him having a great season. It has Edwin Diaz, the pitcher, the closer, who uh, didn't get as many saves as I think he should have last year. Uh, I think he got out of 38 saves, he got about a fourth of them, I'm pretty sure. So uh, it has him uh, producing more and getting more saves this year, strengthening our bullpen a little bit, uh, and and overall making our pitching staff one of the best and most potent in baseball, which is very interesting. Now, obviously, I still have questions about our defense. Uh, our offensive production was never a question. That, that last year was pretty impressive. I mean, uh, we left a lot of guys stranded, but uh, there's no debate that we have uh good bats uh we just need to kind of flesh out well, I don't even know what we need to flesh out it's more just like I guess production on the defensive side of things so you know it, it's it's come it's going to come down this year I believe to 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 defense because if zips is to be believed uh our team is going to be a high production uh high quality pitching team this year uh so we won't have to worry about that so much as we're going to have to worry about our players around the diamond in the outfield uh, just staying solid defensively, especially uh, with a lot of the teams around the MLB uh, having such high offensive prowess because uh, we're, we're in the division with like the Phillies, the Atlanta Braves. Um, so, you know, those teams are, are, are pretty – they're nothing to shake a stick at when it comes to offense. So we're just going to need to be solid defensively. And uh, I, I just don't like Wilpon – at the at the helm of this team, I think he just needs to uh, cut ties. 
Obviously, he's way too headstrong to do that. He's not going anywhere. He's still going to be uh, giving us bargain bin deals and, and, and wasting young talent away. But who knows? If Zips is correct, we could have a breakout year this year. We last made the World Series in 2015, so this could be another year where we, we challenge for that uh, that spot. Who knows? If if like I said, if Zip is is to believe is to be believed, excuse me. Uh, so I'm excited for that. I'm gonna try to go to opening day. Uh, we play the what is it? The Nationals, uh, March 26th, right at City Field. So I'm gonna try to get some tickets for that. Obviously, it's a Mets game, so tickets aren't gonna be that expensive. But uh, yeah, that's that's part of me trying to get into baseball because I do the radio show with Jerry. Go check it out. Pass me the rock on WICR. But. Uh, I'm trying to get more into baseball this year, so when Jerry uh, immediately landslides me on on the <laughs> radio show, because you know of his extensive knowledge of baseball, I'll be able to maybe ca- uh, keep up a little bit and talk shop with him. Because I'm good on football, somewhat. I'm really good on basketball. I know I'm a, I'm a big basketball guy. Obviously, I also do the spread in the floor podcast, but I want to be able to kind of master all the sports, maybe even hockey, if I can dip my uh, dip my toes into that at some point. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, what else we got here? Uh, Celtics versus Rockets. Me and Jerry watched that the other night. Uh, James Harden and Giannis have been going back and forth. The only thing I can really say about James Harden is that just James Harden is a is a very sensitive guy. Uh, Giannis just pokes some fun at him, and, and Harden shot back uh, by saying that being seven foot and being able to run and dunk takes no skill, which is of course not even remotely true because I know some very tall people that can't dunk. <clears throat> Ziggy. Uh, and you know he's six four and he can't dunk a basketball, so that's just not true at all. Um, nobody gets to the league without some amount of skill. I mean, you can get off of athleticism alone um, up until the league, but once you get in the league, I mean, you got to start developing your skills on the court, or else you're just going to be left out there. And uh, that's saying for an average player, right? That's for saying someone like uh, what Tyler Johnson, Tyler Johnson for Miami. Like this is Giannis. Like he's a perennial MVP he's probably going back to back this year and you're saying what he does takes no skill from a guy that flops and gets most of his points from the free throw line all right Harden like simmer down simmer down you're not ever winning a chip I don't care how many you know small ball you know all like mold breaking teams that you know Daryl Morey or whoever makes you know you're not winning a chip so stop acting like you want a chip you know uh, what else we got? Uh, Man City wins Carabao Cup. Doesn't matter because we're still in a heap of trouble, uh, and our owners fund terrorists that want to take over Qatar. So that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Bernie Sanders leading Democratic standings above Joe Biden. Uh, I think I'm a Bernie bro, so I don't really mind. I I haven't been keeping up with Joe Biden, but I know uh, both of them seem to be pretty likable guys. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I tried to do my research last night. Um, and so I've been, I've been trying to keep up with the Democratic debates. The Democratic debates are funny. The Democratic debates are very funny because it's it's a lot of characters. It's a lot of characters. You know, you got, who is it, uh, Senator Kubachar? Klobuchar? Am I saying that right? Senator Klobuchar? The one that looks like she has, like, her eyebrows stenciled up in a surprise position the entire time. Um, you know, she's, she's somewhat less likable than Bernie. Uh, I agree with, with uh, the platform she's running on, which is combating mental illness and drug addiction. Um, but it seemed to me, well, obviously she's out of the uh, debate now, but it seemed to me like she was kind of just running off the fact that she was a woman. And like, I- I'm a woman, look what I can do. Uh, you know, if she, she was more just kind of using the platform of if a woman gets into uh, office, it would be great, which I'm not saying it wouldn't be great. 
but you need something more than that and something more than just combating mental and uh, drug problems, right? Because, you know, it, it, it's such a multifaceted society. Uh, you got racial tension. What else? You got health concerns outside of mental and drug abuse, you know. So it's it's more faceted than that. And I feel like she was just zooming her scope too far in on just um, helping people and, and being a woman. And, and it wasn't even everyone. It was just mostly just mental illness and and and, and drug addiction. So uh, I would have liked to seen more of a, a kind of broad scope from her. Um, either way, she's out now. Um but uh, you know, she was she was pretty funny. She was taking shots at Bernie and 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 uh, what's his name, Mayor Bloomberg. Bloomberg, he's still in there. Uh, he's still in the mix. I was watching some of the highlights last night, and I was dying laughing. I mean, Bernie Sanders, man, what a what a what a charismatic dude. I think Bernie Sanders is the only politician where if he had an ad, I'd probably listen to it. Because I was yeah, I was watching YouTube the uh, the other night, and he comes on. It was one of those ads that you usually see from a politician. He's like, I have a small favor to ask of you. Uh, I need you to sign your peti- you know, sign your name on my petition to get me to office. And with other senators, I'd be like, all right. Or with other candidates, I'd be like, all right, come on, come on, come on. Like, I skip this and get to the video. I don't really care. But with Bernie Sanders, like, wait, well, you know, wait a minute. Let me, let me, let me, let me hear this guy out. I want to hear what he has to say. So by far, Bernie Sanders has been the only like <laughs> candidate that's been able to make me kind of just like pause and just take a second and be like, wow, I might actually listen to this guy. Um, now you should all take a, you know, what I say with a grain of salt, because again, I'm not really too informed on what I'm talking about, but from what I've seen, um, I'd say Bernie Sanders is probably the best candidate running right now. And I think the polls kind of reflect that, uh, because he's in front, uh, followed closely by Joe Biden. But, um, you know, the two of them also on stage have a pretty interesting chemistry uh, where they have like a not like a love hate relationship, but it's like a friendly competition type vibe. Uh, like I was watching the other night and he was like, we have a fundamental disagreement. Uh, Bernie Sanders goes to Joe Biden and, you know, they're, they're laughing up there and, uh, you know, and then what's his name? What's her name? Uh, Elizabeth Warren and, and Klobuchar kind of like going in on him and roasting him. And they're, they're just kind of like laughing to themselves. So the entire like democratic debate seemed like you know it was like a ufc press conference you know bunch of people on a stage just riffing insults at each other that's and you know also it's like it's fun to watch but like why why are you insulting each other you know it's supposed to be there to see you know what people who whose kind of views align with uh what the people want right it's not you're not there to put down your fellow candidate you're there to uh, lift yourself up on your own platform or so I believe I don't know you know like I said I'm not really too informed on this this is more just me trying to get into it uh, which is what this podcast is I mean I want this podcast to be uh, informative for you guys and for me as well right so I can get into more current events and uh, broaden my scope outside of sports as it were but so I I, I had to do my homework and from what I've seen, uh, the most likable, at least to me, candidate right now is Bernie Sanders, followed by Joe Biden. Uh, I'm not sure about uh, Elizabeth Warren. Um, she seems to be going for the whole public school should be paid or, you know, I think it's, it's something with public schools. Um, probably more more payment for teachers and uh, less funding or more funding, for, excuse me, for public schools and, and having public schools cost less. I believe is her running kind of uh, thing she's going on right now. Um, 
which is not bad in itself. Uh, just, uh, you know, I haven't seen a lot else from her. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how she goes uh, moving forward. Obviously, there's only five of them left. I think it's uh, Klobuchar's out. Uh, the other dude, I can't remember his name. There's Bernie Sanders left. There's Joe Biden, Mayor Bloomberg, um, the senator from Hawaii. Uh, I forget her name. And then Elizabeth Warren are still in the running. And I have to check. I can maybe check the rankings right now, but I'm pretty sure. Let me check the rankings. Hold on. I'm pretty sure it's Bernie, Biden, and Bloomberg in third? Demo- Democratic candidates. Democratic. Democratic candidates left. I'm going to do the candidates race. I know for a fact that it's Bernie and then Biden, but I'm not sure. Oh, okay, wait. Oh, I guess Biden lapped Bernie, followed by Elizabeth Warden, then Bloomberg, and then, yeah, Buttigieg is out. Uh, that was the other guy I was thinking of. Wow. Okay. So Joe Biden lapped Bernie last night because last night I checked um, for the rankings. Bernie was on top uh, after a big win. I think it was Iowa or was it North Carolina? I can't remember. It was some some swing state that he really needed to win and he got it. But I guess Joe Biden's out in front now and uh, followed by Bernie, then Elizabeth Warren, then Michael Bloomberg. Um, and then Pete Buttigieg? 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 I think it's Buttigieg. He's out. Same with Klobuchar. Um, Tulsi Gabbard. That was her name. I guess she's ooh, not doing too good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, she uh, she dropped big, too. So I guess the, the ranking shifted around a little bit since I last did my research, which was last night. That's pretty crazy. Um, either that or I got some outdated research, which is why I kind of can't trust the, the Internet like that. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting Democratic debate. A lot of a lot of uh, interesting faces, a lot of interesting personalities uh, that, that were on display. Like I said, I think it's it's both good and it's both bad for uh, the Democratic debates as a, as a whole because obviously you'd want to see people addressing what they're going to do for the country, which is something I was trying to say earlier, but, uh, you know, I was kind of all over the place. What I'm trying to say is, like, basically, you want people to be putting their fixed agenda or how they're going to help the country out first right what i've seen from what i've watched and this has been i've watched one debate with my mother and father and then the rest have been highlights off nbc it seems like there's more comparison than um self-advertising right so that's just something that is kind of a double-edged sword because it shows off the candidates personalities like i know Klobuchar now from Buttigieg and and, and Klobuchar from uh, Sanders and Sanders from Biden. Like, they all have their own distinct personalities. And that also is in part due to uh, the the internet culture around it. You know, Bernie Sanders is kind of a walking meme. And same with Joe Biden. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely a double-edged sword because, I mean, the whole thing is, is you're supposed to be diplomatic and and in and, and politics, I know politics can get ugly, but I don't know, it just seemed like a, a, a fighting match. And isn't it like a foregone conclusion, right? Like, doesn't everyone already know who they're pretty much going to vote for? Or am I wrong about that? Because, like, I feel like a lot of people just watch it. I don't know. But, like, how many Democratic debates? Is there one for each state? I really should have done my research on this. But I, <laughs> if there's one for each state, then you watch the first couple and you kind of know what everyone's MO is. Isn't it just the same people saying the same thing over and over again? 
except with different insults each time. Like, I remember I was watching one of the highlights and Klobuchar came out and immediately just went for Joe Biden's, or not Joe Biden, excuse me, Bloomberg's neck. And of course, it was under the preface of, he doesn't want us to keep going because we're women and, you know, Bloomberg's bad. And, and Bloomberg was just kind of sitting there on the split screen like, yeah. Yeah, he, like he had no emotion on his face. <laughs> like none whatsoever. And, and Klobuchar was just going in on him. See, like that, that shouldn't be the opening intro that you that you lead off with, right? If you're going to a new state, like what I would do if I was in the Democratic debate, which will never happen because I'm not nearly knowledgeable enough to do that, uh, I would open up trying to relate to the audience, right? Because if you're so implicit on winning each state, you want to try to, I'd assume, relate to the people of that state, right? Like you're not just going in there to... Uh, you know, tell them how, I guess to some extent you are kind of uh, comparing yourself to the other candidates and, and saying your upsides and their downsides, but not to the point where you get lost and you don't telegraph your message to the audience. Um, and the way they telegraph their message is like, oh yeah, like, oh, Bloomberg says that he wants da 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 da. Well, that's ridiculous because this is what I want. To me, it should be more like, you know, Bloomberg thinks this, but on the contrast, like on the contrary, you know, if you if you vote for me, like this will get done. Blah 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 blah. You know, and each person gets their time to talk, and they usually go over because they're always arguing. It just to me seems like it needs to be better. Uh, what, what's the word? De- not del- no, not delegated. Um, moderated. Excuse me. Yeah, moderated. Because I know there's a moderator. Uh, the moderator needs to do a better job. Uh, and I, I do have a lot, actually a lot of respect for Biden because he doesn't go over his time. And he even said, you know, when it was Bernie's time to talk, he said, you know, I'm not going to go over like the other people here. I'm not going to go over my time and, and argue with Bernie. I'm just going to let Bernie have his 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 spot in the, you know, in the sun and just let him shine and let him get what he wants out to the to the public. Right. That's the way it should be, at least to me. And that's me being an uninformed <laughs> politics fan. So I'm not even a fan. I don't know if I'm a fan yet. Uh, I'm a fan of the Democratic debates, but I don't know if I'm a fan of, of politics yet. Uh, maybe I'll, that'll come with age, but yeah, no, it just seems like the kind of like the wild, wild west and it could use a little bit of a shape up in the future. If you, if people are really going to take that democratic debate thing seriously. Um, is there a Republican? De- yeah, no, there, there is a Republican debate. I just think that like the democratic debate, like I said, has so many like crazy faces and a lot of wacky personalities that people aren't even really tuning into that. Uh, maybe Republicans are, but, uh, I, I, I sure know I'm not. So, all right, we can move on now. Uh, uh, Help me with this name here, Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett. I think it's Jesse Smollett. Obviously, now if you guys remember, he got into a little bit of hot water. Uh, what is it like two years ago, three years ago? Uh, he had someone stage an attack. Two gentlemen came up. He said, put a rope around his neck, poured bleach on him, and uh, literally beat the shit out of him, and were yelling racial obscenities. Which at the time, everyone believed, and everyone was shocked, right? Because that's part of the climate nowadays. Stuff like this happens, and people are very sensitive to that, as they should be, as they should be. I'm not saying they shouldn't, right? So, you know, people took him at his word, as I believe you should when something like that comes out, because any attack, no matter if you figure out later on that it's fabricated or that someone made it up, uh, I guess his reason was he was unhappy with his pay from his show at the time, Empire, so he wanted to stir up a little drama and hopefully uh, get a little extra money from some talk shows, but no matter the reason... And uh, no matter if later on you figure out that it's fabricated, you need to look into that stuff, right? Because you just can't, you can't not, 
with the political climate we live in and how there's so much racial tension, right? You, you, you'd be a fool not to. You'd be a fool not to look into that as a whole. So people looked into it. Uh, the Chicago police filed a report and they were kind of just looking around, uh, investigating. Uh, it was only two weeks, three weeks investigation uh, until they found that he had paid the two men to walk into the store, buy all the supplies, the rope, the bleach. Uh, they had ski masks, I believe, which they bought. Which they, bought. Um, they found the, the records of him paying the two men, and I think it was some, uh, they had him release his phone uh, and, and Google document transcripts and emails, and they had found that he, had in fact, solicited the two men to stage a fake racial attack. So, once it came out that he kind of was... Uh, fabricating the whole thing uh, in order to, I guess, get a bigger paycheck. Um, he was obviously indicted on a couple charges for faking a police report and given a fine of $10,000 and community service for wasting the Chicago police's time, which his uh, then-at-the-time lawyer, which I think is still with him now, obviously took. Uh, since then, he's paid the 10000 He's done the community service. Um However, a special investigator has hopped on the case and is now giving him another six counts relating to said um, false police report. So this is when it gets interesting, right? So at first, it seems like he kind of pled guilty in a way, right? Because if you plead guilty or, no, you know, it's not like it's not an actual plead of guilty, I guess, but you do the time. Or you did the crime, you do the time, right? You, you got the, the fine of $10,000 and you have the uh, community service hours on deck. So we did both those things, which to me is kind of like a, uh, a sign of or a, uh, a telling. Wait, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a teller that he did it, right? Because if you're really, if you really didn't do something, you would hard deny it, which is where we get to now, right? Which is where we are now. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a federal judge again indicted him right on six counts relating to the false police reports, and he is now hard denying again. So he went the other way. He did a complete 180, and now he is hard denying the fact that he racially staged an attack uh, and paid the two men to do so, even though there are contradictory files, emails, and even a, I think it was a pun of PayPal or Cash App or something. Um, there's, there's, there's money records, uh, bank records, excuse me, stating that he actually paid the men. I think it was somewhere in between like ten and or not ten thousand, uh, thousand and like fifteen hundred dollars to do so each, um, which makes you kind of wonder. I mean, like, w- like what was he trying to do there, right? If he's trying to make more money, um, I, I guess he thought it would pay off in the end, right? Like, I mean, I guess a thousand between a thousand and fifteen hundred isn't a lot for a guy like. Uh, Jesse Smollier, but like at, at the end, like like it's it's just basically a gamble, right? And obviously, his gamble didn't really work. Um, so now he's hard denying again. Uh, case went to court. He pled not guilty, and he said he's continuing to fight it uh, now in the midst of the case. Now, if you want my not so professional opinion on this, uh, he definitely did it. <laughs> like, there's no. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Obviously they found the records. Um, he did the community service and the fine of 10,000, which, uh, you've seen this in other cases too. Like I said before, if you really didn't do something, I'm fighting it with all of my power. I'm not giving them an inch because to me, if I'm a, let's say, uh, what was it? The defense? Uh, yeah. So 
the defense for the city of Chicago would say, yeah, well, you know, you can't get, you can't, if you're Jesse Smollett, you can't give him an inch, right? And if you're paying $10,000 and you're doing community service, that to me is kind of like an admittance of guilt in a sense. Um, so, you know, if I were Jesse Smollett, I would sit there and I would not do anything. I would just, from the beginning, hard deny. And, uh, you know, if, of course, if I was innocent, right? If I was innocent, you got to hard deny, you got to hire some of the best lawyers and you got to, you got to just try to fight this thing. Cause that's usually how it goes. Usually people will offer you a plea deal, um, in exchange for, for prison time. And I guess the plea deal was 10,000 and community service, right? If he was really, really innocent to me, he should have said, you know what? No, I'm not going to go with the plea. I'm just going to try to fight this. I mean, he's rich enough. He was on empire. Just hire a really good lawyer, hire, hire like multiple lawyers and you could fight this thing. I mean, there's cameras, there's sufficient evidence it's not like there's, you know, nobody saw it. It happened in the back alley. Like, no, there was, like, video evidence of the guys walking into the shop. Like, there's stuff around it, right, that, that a, a really good defense lawyer can probably flip and, and put in his favor. Or not even flip. Like, if he's innocent, then, you know, there's a supple amount of evidence there. There's a supple amount of evidence for a defense attorney to work with, right? So, yeah, to me, to me he definitely, I think he definitely did it. Uh, the, the motive remains open, though. Uh, so, you know, my, I think my three possible motives, I was thinking about this last night would probably be financial gain, bringing more of a view on racial inequality and I guess homophobic and racial attacks in this country, uh, which I mean, could have obviously the chance to blow up like which it did, uh, because now a lot of people are saying, how dare you take away from something that actually happens every single day with a fake or fabricated story uh, to kind of suit your own personal needs. So, you know, that obviously had the, the chance to backfire, and it did. And then the third would just be to, to get his name out there and, and, and get some, you know, clout, I guess. Get some easy clout, get some easy clicks. Uh, TMZ, those clout vultures that they are, they, you know, they have the, the story before the body's even uh, cold. So they, they came out with it immediately. And, um, you know, if, if, if any of those things were, were what he was going for, I mean, it certainly got people talking. It certainly got people talking about him. And uh, uh, if, I'd say the only really unsuccessful facet of why he could do something like that, uh, the financial part, would be that he's lost money up until this point because he had to pay the two dudes and he had to pay a fine of $10,000. He's lost money in time. But anyway, so he's still hard denying it. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on this case. I maybe uh, I'll maybe update you guys on the next podcast uh, to see how that's going. But right now he's keeping his head in the sand. He's keeping his um, feet down, and he's uh, he's he's keeping his head down. He's he's hard denying it. So and we're going to see how that plays out. But you know, it's really just it's a shame because like a lot of people are saying, I talked to my friend Claudia. She's really big into kind of the culture around society and racial inequality. Oh, excuse me. Racial inequality. And, you know, she's like, she agrees, like, it's more the principle of what you're doing, where you're taking away from other people's kind of um, real uh, struggles that they deal with on a daily basis. Because there are actually people getting attacked like that. Uh, and, of course, you don't see it because it happens in silence. It happens when nobody looks around, and, and now this kind of takes away from that in a way, because now everyone's going to be like, well, is this fake, like the Jesse Smollett controversy, 
you know, how can we really prove it, it's really just it's a mark on uh, the, the, the racial tension that we have nowadays. And it's only going to make it worse. You know, because it's such a sensitive climate right now, and for good reason. I mean, things are uh, changing at a rapid pace, and and this I think kind of brought us back a little bit, which is really sad to to see that someone uh, with a lot of greed and and a lot of need to be seen or a need for money um, can do something like that that would affect so many people. Uh, and I'm sure you know at the time he wasn't really thinking about the impact that it could have, but obviously you see it now. You see it now in the after in the after uh, effects of, of what he did and 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 how it stirred up the public. You know, it's it's really just terrible because it really goes to show what greed can do, what greed can do on a societal uh, level, especially like I said, a society like this. Anyway, for our final topic, it's already been thirty six minutes. I'm going to try to hit forty five or maybe even an hour if we're really rolling along. Uh, the coronavirus hitting pretty close to home. Westchester County, I live around there, and I go to school around there, which is a very scary thing. Obviously, the guys from New Rochelle, the first confirmed case. He was a lawyer, and he took the public transit into the city every single day because I guess he was a lawyer in Manhattan. He caught the case. Uh, they said it was non-transferable because he didn't travel anywhere. They took they they checked his um, I guess his travel records prior to having the disease, and he didn't really go anywhere. So I'm curious to know where this disease came from. Uh, considering that he didn't really travel outside of New Rochelle or Manhattan as a whole. I guess maybe he got it from one of the food sources that they brought in. I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, he was very inconsiderate. He took the <laughs> the MTA uh, to work every single day for about two or three days with the virus. Uh, you know, like when, when that kind of stuff happens, like like do the decent thing, right? Just go to a hospital, put yourself in quarantine. It's the coronavirus. As long as you don't have a predisposed condition or you're not young or old, you'll be fine. What he kind of did was like, oh, yeah, I have the coronavirus. I'm sure he was like, yeah, no, it's not really deadly. Like, I can just go to work with it as long as I wash my hand. No, like you have like a very well-established disease that's been taking out or excuse me, a virus that's been taking out a lot of people across the world. Like you need to go even if you feel fine or even if you know you're going to get over it, put yourself in quarantine. Go to a hospital. They'll give you care. All right. I don't care how important your job is. No job is important is as important as is protecting the safety of those around you. So this guy is now being quarantined in a hospital near me as we speak, somewhere up in Manhattan. I think it's near Manhattanville College. He's being quarantined, and now my uh, my college is on red alert. Uh, they offered they issued a uh, an email stating what you should do, uh, preventative measures, obviously washing your hands, pureeing your hands, all that stuff. Don't dap people up. I got to dap people up with like paper towels now. I'm going to be walking around in a full hazmat suit. The next actually uh, episode of this podcast will be the uh, post-corona episode where uh, I'm just going to be kind of live streaming out of the ruins of Iona and I'm going to be in a full hazmat suit not being able to touch the mic. So that's going to be a fun time. But uh, yeah, so now everyone's kind of on edge. Um, I don't really see it being that much of a problem. Like I said, they got the guy quarantined. My only issue with that would be uh, the people that he affected when he was on the MTA system, uh, the metro going into the New York City. Um, and then there's also Grand Central Station, too, which is a big hub, uh, which I don't know if he passed through um, uh, Grand Central at all, which I don't know if he's going to Manhattanville. I don't know if you go through that station at all. There's Penn Station that leads to New Jersey. So there's a lot of 
potential for an outbreak here, right? Uh, with such a high, it seems like high transferable disease like that or the virus like that. Uh, there's a lot of potential for others to get sick, which is why it kind of was like, I don't know, maybe he didn't know that he had the, the disease or the virus. I keep calling it the disease. He didn't know he had the virus. That would be the only like really feasible thing that I could think of for why he wouldn't just put himself in, in or admit himself into a hospital. I mean, that seems like the, the, the valid course of action. Um, I don't know. Maybe he didn't know he had it. But uh, anywho... Uh, I, I, something I found that was pretty interesting was that the MTA is actually cleaning up the subway system now. <laughs> so it finally, after after all these years of of homeless people, you know, shitting and pissing and and the, the trains being disgusting and homeless people like beating off on the trains, this is what made them clean up their act, and this is what made that made them uh, finally um, give the subway system a makeover, which I find to be hilarious because it's kind of like it's kind of like when you're a kid and you like. Don't clean your clean your room for a while, and then like the one thing, like you see something on the floor, like a crusty pair of like socks, and you're like, oh, yeah, I should probably clean this. Like that's basically what the MTA did. It was like, all right, well, Corona's here. You know, we had some guy ride the subway, and he probably infected a lot of people, so we should probably clean this shit up, right? And then everyone's like, yeah, you should probably. So you know, other people don't get injured or or uh, sick. Um, so that you know, that finally made them uh, clean up their acts. So I'm I'm gonna be happy to have a more clean subway system because I rode in one of those things and the entire platform smells like piss all the time and there's just homeless people lounging around. So you know, this is a well needed. Uh, you know, if there's a silver lining to the coronavirus, I guess it would be that the MTA uh, finally cleaned up their act <laughs> and is now having a cleaner subway system overall. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, CDC. They released tips to contain the spread. Obviously, uh, they said that the uh, there was an outbreak imminent in the U- in the United States. So they also released tips and um, you know just tips for general wellness and how to ward off the disease. Uh, you know you can't touch door handles without sanitation. You can't touch your face. Um, uh, I'll tell you who's got to be profiting off this: Purell. Purell's got to be like sitting there licking their chops right now. Like we're about to go. We're about to be rich. The CEO of Purell's like, I'm buy. I'm gonna buy a yacht when this is all over. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I don't think it'll be that adverse of an effect on the college. Uh, as long as everyone's like health conscious. Like at me, for me, like I, I go to the gym every day, so I've just been trying to like wash my hands and all that stuff. Like there's Purell near the machines, so I'll use that before I use the machines. I don't touch my face after I do like a bench press or anything like that. So. I think everything should be fine. Uh, it just depends on if we see more cases in the future, which I'll keep you guys updated on uh, pertaining to the guy that rode on the public subway. And yeah, that's that's what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, it was a good podcast. Um, I've been trying not to ramble. Uh, you guys will see a clear progression in this, in this podcast and the way I talk. I think today I was kind of just <laughs> a little bit of my ADD came out on air and um, I just rambled for 45 minutes, which... Uh, it is hard for do uh, is hard to do for a lot of people. Excuse me. Uh, I had notes, uh, but I realized that I didn't really follow them. So, uh, yeah, I guess I gotta tightly note my next one. I don't know. I'll have to see how this sounds uh, when I edit it. So, you know, uh, that, that that was this episode. I don't know what I'm gonna call it yet. You guys will see the the thumbnail. I'll probably make it after this. But uh, it was fun. Uh, I'm probably gonna keep doing this along with uh, Nigel's podcast or Nigel Minds podcast and um and pass me the rock. So this this was fun and uh, I'll I'll see you guys next episode. Wow, 45 minutes, 45 minutes. We went th- we went from 35 to 45. Very interesting. All right, see you guys. Bye.